And so in order to actually move forward, both of you, especially if you're married, both of you um, have to be on the same wavelength in terms of long-term goals um, for the family, okay? And what I would say is there is so much, like there's so many benefits of actually doing things as a pair. Hello and welcome to Walk Finance, the podcast discussing all things finance and all things finance related. It's your boy Peter and I'm with my co-host, my bro Jack. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. I'm very cool. Uh, you know, just taking things easy. Um, just went through uh, January uh, fasting. So that was obviously very interesting. Really enjoying it. Um, and it's something I want to kind of um, incorporate into my day-to-day life. And when I talk about fasting, it's not purely for the health benefits but also for my uh, spiritual walk as well so yeah really enjoying it man um how you doing no i'm loving that man nothing like a, a spiritual fast man um i'm well bro i've got a cup of tea in my hand i'm nice and chilled i can't i can't be in a better space when i've got a cup of tea in my hands man. i'm nice <laughs> and relaxed that's what i like to hear what, what kind of tea is it this is a herbal tea but you know how uh... i know how you do i know how you do <laughs> <laughs> it's it oh man but no man always good to touch base as always man and just a massive warm welcome to our listeners wherever you are man wherever you are however you're listening to this whether you're in your car on the way into work or from work or just on public transport wherever you are man at home just a massive shout out to you um as ever man we appreciate your support um if you haven't followed us on whatever platform you're listening to us on please do so and click subscribe and comment and download whatever um you're listening to this on man just yeah we really do appreciate it but now jacks um i guess this episode um what we're touching on we're just going to be talking a bit about it's one of those discussions that some people have and some people don't have and you know, it's going to be talking around wealth and more importantly, here on the Wealth Finance uh, Podcast, we talk about building that generational wealth, right? Um, and what that looks like. And a large part of that is how do we build that within our own families, if we're honest. Um, you know, me and you, we reflect on our own experiences and, you know, based on our background, certain things might not have happened in terms of what our parents were able to do for us from a financial perspective. Um, but it's thinking about how can we make sure that, you know, the the journey that we're on, we're almost passing that on to our children, but keeping that within our family so that our generations and generations after that, the wealth is there and it remains there essentially. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very interesting conversation and a conversation to be had. Um, and so I'm excited for this conversation on the World Finance Podcast. It's something that, um, like you said, some people are having the conversations, uh, a lot of people are not, but it is important to um, at least start thinking about how we can start off these conversations so that long-term uh, wealth not only is built within a family, uh, but actually stays within a family. Because what you find is um, a lot of the time there are people, particularly in our generation where we are building wealth and that kind of stuff, um, and we may be the first kind of people to take it very seriously. And so, yes, we, we may be doing it, but what's really important 
especially if we relate this to um, some of the statistics where they say um, some of the wealth in, in families actually die off after two generations. Mm-hmm. What we want, the whole essence of building wealth is to be able to pass it from generation to generation and to not have it just evaporate um, at some stage. So it is important to have those discussions as to how we can actually uh, sustain the wealth within our families, particularly in our, in our community. Love it. And I know on this episode, we're not really going to be focusing on you know, um, so much on the strategies and the technical things. It's more around what are the discussions we need to be having in our communities with our siblings, with our parents, and you know, um, with our spouses, and if we have children, etc. What are those conversations we should start getting comfortable with? Um, so we'll be focused quite a bit on that as well. And this is something, as you know, I listen probably aware. This is something that can go on for quite a while, but. We will just chop up what comes up and if we need to discuss further in another episode we can do so but jacks you know um one of the things you just said there is that about ensuring wealth actually stays in the family and it's not lost from just looking from the outside before we actually talk about some of the conversation what does that actually mean when we talk about wealth what does that actually look like wealth staying in the family what does that mean what you know how can you tell that wealth has stayed in someone's family yeah, so I know uh, many people have probably heard of the term old money um, versus new money. And old money is often um, a, a manifestation of what we call wealth that has stayed within a family mm. and has actually been passed on from generation to generation. So what we mean by wealth just staying in a family is not just so much, um, you know, a family that's rich and that kind of stuff, but it's a family that has many options, um, that has a legacy that has sometimes even a a very reputable and uh, healthy, wealthy name. Um, Those are the kind of things that come to my mind when we talk about wealth staying within families. Hmm. No, I love that. I love that. I mean, I I, I think of some that I know in, you know, I've had like um, a family operation in terms of a family business that's been operating since sort of like 100 years. um, Until this day, it's still in operation and the family members are working on it or have some sort of linkage to it as well yeah and and you know i i hear of it quite often uh, again um not as much as i would have liked to hear in our community but in other communities i often hear of things being passed down particularly assets being passed down whether that be property whether that be businesses like you've said um those things are actually very common in some communities and i think those are the kind of things that we need to be thinking about having a conversation about at least in our communities no very much so very much so man um but no okay so let's think about some of those conversations as you said we're in a time where particularly when we're talking about people from our communities that a lot of people are the first ones in their family who who might be not taken a bit more serious but maybe could progress a bit further um, because the, the means and capabilities are are there right in terms of the world that we live in right now so I guess with that conversation, what are some of the conversations that, yeah, we need to be having with our family? Yeah, so some of the conversations we need to be having with our families, I think, first and foremost, um, if you are the person who is kind of a pioneer for building long-term wealth within your, your family, it could be a nuclear family, it could be an extended family, I think what's really important is to get everybody on board. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by getting everybody on board is often what you find is if there is a single person in a family who has this desire to build long-term wealth, they sometimes go the journey alone um, and sometimes may not want to discuss with family for, for some reason, for different reasons. 
some people think if they discuss with family, then the, the family can crush dreams and, and could be the naysayers. And actually that's very, very common. Um, but what I think is, you know, if you can uh, uh, persuade rather than convince, because the word persuade, persuade is different from convince. To convince someone to do something is to change their mind from doing one thing to another, to try and actually tell them to completely do a 180 on what they actually want to do. Um, and, and the word persuade is to actually push them to doing things that they actually want to do anyway mm -hmm. right so uh that, that's what we want to do we want to be able to persuade people to move in a direction that we know they actually want because it's actually good and healthy for them and so um what I, what, what I mean by getting people on board is having a conversation with them um again another common thing I've seen particularly in our community is let's say uh your, your husband uh or, or let's say our dad's generation they may start doing things like building uh properties back in Africa and sometimes they don't even tell their wives mm. right and sometimes they don't even tell their children uh for, for whatever reason um maybe it's a lack of trust I'm not exactly sure but that is not how to keep wealth within within the family right because there's a lack of information uh, and actually that can lead to some very very confusing things in the future when it comes to estate planning and, and that kind of stuff so i think the starting point for us to uh even think about how we can keep wealth within our families is to get everybody on board i think that's the starting point and you know i like what you said about the persuading bit um persuading people in terms of getting them to supporting them to do what they actually want to do but maybe approaching it from a different perspective so for example um let's generalize here african parents also they may not understand why you need to own assets for example because they, they just weren't exposed to that growing up right and you know if they've spent i don't know six seven decades understanding one way their child may not be able to just come and say hey mom dad uncle auntie you know you should think about this however your auntie and uncle your parents may actually want to be financially free and then it's saying okay what is it that you want and if they if it is that they want to be financially free so that's supporting them to understand that this is one of the ways that we can achieve that together well, exactly, Peter. And I think that's the key thing. So you can start off with things like having a conversation. Hey, would you like to be financially independent? Mm -hmm. Would you like to be able to retire comfortably? Those are kind of conversations you can have with your parents and other uh, relatives as well. Um, and, and as you probably find, most people will say yes. So mm -hmm. then your job is not to completely convince them to do something they don't actually want to do. Mm -hmm. Your job is to actually persuade them and to move them into directions that they actually want to go. And that makes a job much, much, much easier. And that's what you know starting a conversation looks like. Now, before I move on to some of the other things that we should be discussing on this, this bit is a bit um, of a grey area, and obviously everything is is personal, right? But you are going to get some um, people above you, age-wise, so parents, for example, who will be just be stuck in their ways. Now, is there an, uh, is there an argument for an individual to be thinking forward thinking and by that I mean the people that are coming after you so for example your spouse if you haven't got a spouse your children and just accept that those that are above you age-wise or being here before you it is where it is 
Uh, I mean, yes, yes and no. Um, I think the key thing is to at least start the conversation and mm -hmm. go through this method of persuasion uh, to the best of your abilities. Um, and if it's a thing where it's not working and some people are turning a blind head as to what you're trying to achieve for their own good and for your family's good, then of course, yes, it, is, it does become more difficult. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have to accept that some people just won't change. Mm -hmm. um, but then, yes, the key thing is to understand that you still have a responsibility for yourself, uh, for, for your children and the ch your children's children to be able to build foundations and to install and to install principles in them that will allow them to maintain wealth over the long term. No, I love that, man. All we can do is try, but in that trying, as we always talk about when it comes to this personal finance journey, it's the mindset. There needs to be an, uh, a spirit of humility, but also patience, man. Um, yeah, even in that persuade and those conversations, it needs patience, man. First time around, it might not work, but over time, yeah, man, patience and humility. So, no, I, I definitely hear that, bro. Oh man, yeah, you're going to need a lot of patience uh, because the, the truth of the matter is everybody has a different personal finance mindset. Uh, people have different experiences with money, for example. People have um, some psychological biases when it comes to money. And actually many people have experienced traumatic um, experiences with money. So it is not easy for uh, anyone to just go and start you know, preaching and trying to persuade people. It's not, it's not that easy. And that's where um, I think at least when you start the conversation and you open the lines of conversation to be had, lines of communication to be had, then you can start moving into the right direction. But yes, um, you know, when you do have children, uh, the truth is you tend to have a bit more control, a bit more power as to how you uh, install certain principles, how you run your household. And that's where we have to be very intentional as to how we go about doing that. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, brilliant. So we're talking about supporting those around us in our families to really get on board and to really understand what we're trying to create here and the benefits uh, that has in the now, but most importantly, in the future and generations to come. What else are some of the, what are other conversations should we really be trying to have? Well, I think uh, another, another method of conversation or communication is actually to educate. Um, and to actually teach um, so you can only really educate and teach when you have the knowledge yourself right so mm -hmm. it's very important that if you are someone who is within your family trying to build wealth and you might be the first one to want to go on that journey or the one who has the access to information and you want to make use of that information um, and to build wealth for the long term you have to become educated to, you have to become financially literate in order to actually pass on that information to your children for example or to other relatives um, and one thing I always say as well is not just about getting educated and passing on knowledge, but also lead by example, because a lot mm -hmm. of the times, especially when we're talking about young people, it's not just about giving them um, a lot of information because information, I mean, we are already overloaded with information in this mm -hmm. current uh, stage of our lives um, and this current generation. So the key thing is also to lead by example. Mm -hmm. I think that's extremely important. Show them rather than just educate. So you educate so the information has been passed down, but also you have to show them what you are actually doing, leading by example so that they can actually look at you and say, hey, this person is doing X, Y, and Z. I would like to follow suit and I could actually do so and use this person also as a mentor for my wealth building journey. I love that. Well, I love seeing actually, you know, in, you know, when we talk about the asset accumulation phase, when, you know, people are buying, I don't know, um, some sort of assets like real estate and they're buying uh, properties and they have 
children and you know even you know eight nine ten eleven years old and they literally take their children out there because it's like literally you're showing what you're actually doing the child may not understand fully what's going on but they understand the snippet oh yeah absolutely i mean you know if you're taking your child um to viewing so if you're viewing property if you are property investing you're taking your child to view these things um, yes, at first, what happens is they may not have a clue what's going on. But what's actually really important is the fact that they are in a space, they're in an environment where they can actually soak up information. And the thing about the thing about learning is, um, I call it mental compounding. What happens mm. is when you first start learning something, it can be very difficult to at least establish a foundation for which you can build upon. And so um, it can be difficult initially, but the longer you do it, the more... Um, you kind of soak information and then you finally get to this stage where you were actually you've actually built the right foundation and then everything else that you you would have heard of in the past starts to make sense and then you actually start to really build this kind of mansion of information and knowledge that you can actually put into practice and build well for yourself for the long term no absolutely absolutely and there's just so many fun ways you can you can do that particularly with children man um children are just so brainy right now and they're, they're ahead of their yet they're exposed to so much more things that we were at their age some good and obviously some not so good but how do you use that to your advantage you know all the things that they're they're used to doing how do you get them to understand that they are putting their time into businesses and understanding how those businesses work understanding that you can even put money into those business and all of that stuff so yeah man um I, I, yeah I, I do love that man yeah, and you know, I'll also say if you are someone who is a business owner, uh, one of the things that I, I encourage business owners to do is to actually hire their children or relatives as part of their business. Um, and what I mean by that is, yes, you don't necessarily have to put them on a payroll, mm-hmm. uh, but you can actually hire them in, in a freelancing type of way, um, which is actually very, very beneficial, especially when you're teaching your children how to build wealth for the long term and getting them involved in the family business. And even if it's not a family business, um, what you can do is get hire them and then by hiring them to let's say do something like social media management or that kind of stuff you're actually helping them to build um skills that they can use longer term to build wealth for themselves right mm-hmm. um and also the money that you're paying them by the way when i say hire them i mean pay them as well yeah, yeah pay yeah. them um pay them a, a, an income and also a bit of a trick here a bit of a technicality is you can actually even start paying your your son your daughter a pension from a very young mm-hmm. age and that mm-hmm. even helps you as a business because it's an extendable item um of course double check that with a tax accountant or tax professional but that's one thing that i think is quite true that's something that you can do and it benefits the family that's how you do you know that these are intelligent ways uh, to build wealth and keep it within the family I love that. Again, I know so many people, again, outside of our community where they do just that. Their children are working within their businesses as well. You always wonder why, but no, absolutely, man. I love that. Yeah, I mean, if, if you can hire your children and then pay them uh, an income, again, it doesn't have to be a payroll, but you could pay them on a freelancing basis. Mm-hmm. Um, that First and foremost, that reduces your family or your business's tax bill and also puts an income into your child's pockets. Mm-hmm. And also your child is actually working, so they're gaining valuable skills. It's a win, 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 win. Okay? You can eat, like, what I love about um, this kind of setup is if you're intentional by even paying them a pension, right, into, let's say, a junior SIP, 
you are already setting them up for long-term multi-million status, right? Mm. Because they can't touch that step until they're 55, 57 years old. Mm. You are already guaranteeing them a comfortable retirement by being intentional, okay? And I think that's really, really important. For our listeners that may not know um, what a junior SIP is, particularly outside of the UK, what's that for? Yeah, so a junior SIP is um, a type of pension account. Now, as a standard person who is not a junior, you can have a SIP as a self-invested personal pension. It's a pension account here in the UK where you can put money into it and then you get a tax break. So if you're a low-rate taxpayer, you get a 25% bonus back. It's calculated as 25%, but it's really a 20% bonus back. Um, if you were a higher rate taxpayer, you get all that tax, all the money that would have been taxed actually comes back to you when you put the money into the SIP and you can invest money in this SIP into, let's say, mutual funds, index funds, stock shares and that kind of stuff. Okay, those are for the standard person, but you can actually do that for your children as well. Mm. Right, It's a new product that came out not too long ago, but you can actually set up a junior SIP for your children where you can start putting money in for your child and they can't touch that money until they're 55, 57. Okay. And when we actually do the whole compound interest calculation, you realize that earlier they start, they've got one big, big advantage that most people don't have, which is time. It's not just, it's not so much about how much money they're putting in or, or, or that kind of stuff early on, but they've got so much time for that compounding element to really work. Love that. And I love just how the way they're able to contribute to that SIP is by actually working within the family business as well. It's literally a win-win all around. I love it. Isn't that amazing? Like, I call it a win-win-win-win because there's so it's much benefit. Absolutely. So many benefits of actually hiring your children, you know? Mm. The fact that they're actually gaining skills. They're mm. contributing towards the pension. Mm. You're reducing your taxable as a business. It's, mm. it's just amazing. And I would encourage anybody with a business to consider this. Of course, there are key considerations. So you will have to check what age you can actually start hiring your children, how many hours they can work and that kind of stuff. But do keep this in mind, make a note somewhere that usually I think around the age of 13, you can actually start hiring your children to even work as a freelance, doesn't have to be on a payroll, and actually um, start allowing them to gain skills and actually start investing in that kind of stuff. Love it, love it, love it now, man. Thanks for that, Jax, man. That's so useful to even just be um, aware of as well, man. Um, what else what, what, what else can one be thinking about or talking about when it comes to keeping wealth within the family? Yeah, so keeping on the topic of even investment accounts, um, I would say one of the things you can even do um, is, you know, set up not just a junior SIP, but you can set up junior ISAs and that kind of stuff for your children. I'm focusing on the children at the moment, mm-hmm. but you can focus, you can actually set these up and you can actually invest on the on behalf of your children. But again, what we're talking about in this episode is more so the communication. So you don't just invest for the sake of investing for, you know, building up uh, some sort of nest egg for the children, but actually having conversations with your children, let them know that this actually exists. Mm. But of course, doing it in a very intelligent way so that they don't mm. think that they're getting free money. Mm. Um, but the key thing is for them to understand that there is something called investing. They've got an investment pot. And actually you can get them involved in the process of investing. So you can have conversations with them and say things like, hey, uh, you want a Nike trainers for, for Christmas or your birthday? You want, uh, I don't know, you want a new game, that kind of stuff? Why don't you think about buying shares in Nike, for example? Mm-hmm. Or do you want me to buy shares in Nike for you? Or do you want me to buy shares in McDonald's for you if there's someone who really loves to eat McDonald's, for example? So you can start having these conversations from a very young age so that they can actually tune their minds into understanding what it is to actually invest in shares. And that's 
that's how we slowly get people, um, the people in our family to start thinking about wealth differently so that it's a principle that's installed in them for the very long term. Lovely. And you you know, there's those lovely, and I'm sure there's apps as well, but there's those lovely physical piggy banks, which allow you to separate your pocket money into different things. So spending money, saving, and even getting them to put money aside for investing, build that up, put it into their own investing account as well. So they can co- contribute along with you as the parent as well into that account. Yeah, I, I would definitely encourage that. I would definitely encourage, again, going back to the example I used about hiring your children as freelancers and you know having them do a job for you and paying them a, an, an income so they can even use that for whatever they want to do, but also paying them a pension. But you can, if, if they're wise and you've taught them wisely, they can actually say, hey, part of the income you've just paid me for managing some of our social media, for example, I want to use that to invest in my junior ISO. But of course, mm-hmm. I'm too young and I can't do it myself. But let's have a conversation. And let me talk about some of the ideas that I have. Hey, mom, dad, can you buy me shares in Nike with some of the money that I've just earned by working in your business and by you guys paying me a salary, which then reduces your tax bill? <laughs> it's just so amazing. And these are the things that I'm, I'm so excited to show people because this is how we build long-term generational wealth. And as you're doing it from a young age, again, the key thing I keep saying is principles are installed into the family for the long term. And that's how you keep money in the family. I love that because it's those principles which is going to reduce the risk of, I don't know, let's say that child turns 18 and then all of a sudden they've got that money and then just splashing it out from on whatever and making a poor decision with that money. But when those principles are instilled, obviously anything can happen in life, but it reduces the risk when you are instilling those principles consistently and from early. Yeah, you know. I've actually done uh, sessions and coaching sessions with families and I, and I talk to them about junior ISIS and junior SIPs, um, particularly junior ISIS. And one of the things that they say is, hey, so uh, are you telling me that my child will be able to have complete access to my account at the age of... 16 and at the age of 18 they can withdraw and I'm like yes it's like how do we you know guarantee that he or she is not going to use their money for something <laughs> stupid right uh when I say to them look that's why you get them involved yeah. in some of the investment decision making from a very young age so yeah. the principles are installed from a very young age and they can carry that over because at the age of 18 they don't actually have to withdraw mm-hmm. from uh their junior ISO which then becomes mm-hmm. a stocks and shares ISO they can actually continue the process for the long term that's the hope and that's what we actually want to achieve Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, man, this is exciting, man. Um, And I think what's really exciting about this is just on the education piece, you can continue educating yourself and those around you, however they see fit, however comfortable they are, they can continue educating themselves as well, man. Um, So now thank you for that, Jax. Um, What else? Um, to keep to keep money in a family, to keep wealth in a family, I think it's also important to actually be intentional with tax planning. Mm-hmm. Um, there are too many families, particularly in our community, who um, do not write wills, who mm-hmm. uh, do not plan for, uh, unfortunately, them passing on. So mm-hmm. things like life insurance and that kind of stuff. Um, it is extremely important to um, protect your family if you are the main breadwinner. Uh, because it, life happens, right? Unfortunately, people do pass away um, and life insurance is a way to guarantee uh, an income or some of, of money for your family should the worst happen. Mm-hmm. So it is, imp- it is extremely important for families, particularly those with children, to actually set up life insurance. That's extremely important. Um, and also to plan how they're going to um, you know, pass on some assets in the future. 
here I'm talking about things like important things in a trust. It's better to speak to a qualified financial advisor who mm. will actually walk you through how we do inheritance, tax planning, and, and estate planning as well. Hmm. Now, I love that because at the end of the day, you know, it's not about should you know that happen it's about when it happens and sad the unfortunate thing that death can come earlier than expected and it does unfortunately for some people so it's about really understanding what happens when I go literally what happens when I go who's going to literally pay for my funeral who's going to get this asset who's going to get that um yes. I've got my hands in so many different businesses who's going to get what is going to happen and you, we need to understand exactly what is going to happen when I'm not here. And, and, and Peter, you'd be surprised how many people don't have these conversations. And mm. so when they pass on, uh, their family are not even aware of some of the mm. assets and where they're placed. Mm. And so it's, a very, it's, it's extremely important uh, to have these conversations and to make people aware of where your assets are. And of course, as we say, to write a will, to plan for estate planning, inheritance, tax planning, all that kind of stuff. It is so, so, so important. Um, at this point in our lives, we have too much information. We do not want to uh, have to set up like a GoFundMe page in order to mm -hmm. actually look after um, our, our families when we go, when they're, they're you know when the main breadwinner passes away. I'm mm -hmm. not saying it's the worst thing in the world. If it's needed, it's needed. Mm -hmm. But we can actually put things in place so that when someone passes on, especially the main breadwinner, um, life insurance actually protects the family and actually covers things like a mortgage and that kind of stuff. Hmm. And it's so deep, man. Particularly if you're in yeah it's very deep when it comes to life insurance particularly if you're in again particularly i wouldn't say african community because i'm more familiar with that but even the superstitions around art skin oh love the ones have you considered life insurance the look they will give you <laughs> i remember the first time <laughs> i spoke I remember the first time I spoke about life insurance to my mum, and it was an advert. I remember I was at home, and the advert came on, and I said, like, "Oh, mum, have you have you got life insurance?" She said, "Hey, I should do that." Hmm. Why should I uh, take something that will confirm that I'm going to die? I was like, oh, my goodness, like <laughs> it was a very difficult conversation. Uh, I I blame the African movies, bro. If you know what they do in those films when it comes to stuff like life insurance and what the children do, are uh, it's all bad. Uh... Yeah, I remember saying, "Mom, I think you've watched too many movies because <laughs> in some movies when you know someone finds that hey, there's some life insurance policy, <laughs> then of course the next person to take that person's life, right?" So. <laughs> yes of course that is that, that can happen but ideally not right you, you hope you trust your family hey you're trying to keep more from your family for a reason i'm telling you uh, so yeah it's it's one of those things that is, is is extremely important for families to put in place uh life insurance is extremely important um and there's other insurances that i think people should consider as well no i love that love that man um cool um any anything else before we start to wrap up <laughs> yeah, I think in order to answer your question about how do we keep wealth within the family, as I said, the, th the first thing is uh, to get everybody on board, have the conversation, make sure everyone is aware of what we're actually trying to achieve as a family. It cannot be that one person has the mindset of building wealth and another person has the mindset of spending all the money and, and just living life lavishly or living life quite irresponsibly. That can't that can't work. Mm. Um, so it has to be something that's uh, within the family the conversation has to be a family conversation um, and of course yes sometimes you're going to find people that are not that don't want to be on board and that's a difficult conversation but 
to your best of your ability, you want to get everybody on board. Um, and then secondly, you want to uh, actually educate people. So educate education is, you know, for, for the lack of knowledge, my people perish, right? Mm. So we always say we have to improve our knowledge. Uh, everybody within the family should improve their knowledge, uh, but not just improving knowledge but we should gain understanding and wisdom and we should do things by showing people as well rather than just you know telling people and teaching people we should show and lead by example i think that's always the starting point and to allow compounding to take place over many many years to have conversations around the dinner table one of the ethos of what finance podcast we say is we have conversations that we wish we had at the dinner table when we were younger uh, these are conversations we didn't have in fact the conversation of money was extremely taboo okay and, and very negative it was all about debt it was all about I can't afford. And that's not what we're trying to achieve. If we're trying to build generational wealth and we're trying to keep wealth within a family, we need to have more positive conversations around money. And the more conversations we have, the better it gets and the better we learn and the more we understand and the better experiences that we have. Now, we this is about keeping wealth in the family. Now, if we think of the, the family makeup, um obviously you know looking at from the, the the parents perspective um before you even keep wealth in the family you've got to have a family right and build a family how important is it when it comes to your spouse and and obviously there's the love element but there is the financial element and even when you think of the constitution of marriage and the benefits the financial benefits that also brings as well um how important is all of that yeah if, if i'm brutally honest when i talk about wealth generally um you know when someone asks me hey jacks what does wealth look like to you i can't speak about wealth without speaking about family for some reason it is it, i think the two come hand in hand um legacy and that kind of stuff but um yes absolutely you know even if you're dating i think it's important to have money conversations um yes there is this conversation about hey when do we have the conversation about money within our dating stages um as soon as possible um but obviously with wisdom okay <laughs> um but what i would say is if wisdom, you someone, wisdom, wisdom. oh you have to apply the wisdom you have to you have to be careful how you communicate it um you know if you communicate it someone will say hey uh you're asking me what i bring to the table and that's that might not be what you're actually trying to communicate so you have yeah. to be very careful how you actually have the conversation uh pray for wisdom and what I would also say is, yes, well, if you are someone who is married, um, so you have to have a conversation with your, with your wife, you have to have a conversation with your husband uh, to understand where you both you know, stand when it comes to this whole idea of building long-term wealth. Because again, we are all different. We have different ideas, we have different experiences. And so in order to actually move forward, both of you, especially if you're married, both of you um, have to be on the same wavelength in terms of long-term goals, um for the family okay and what i would say is there is so much like there's so many benefits of actually doing things as a pair right mm-hmm. so many financial benefits and i'm not really just being spiritual here i'm talking about purely uh technicalities there's so many benefits of actually uh doing things as a pair there's more money coming in so now it's not just oh what's your income it's what's your household income mm-hmm. okay so it's you know it's, it's times two or, or whatever you add it together uh, there are allowances. Even if one person earns significantly more than one, remember at the end of the day, your money, her money, her money, your money is all one, right? Mm. So it's the household income. And with that, you can actually take advantage of allowances. Mm. Example, here in the UK, um, we have a, a, a ISO allowance, which is how much you can put into a, an efficient, a tax efficient wrapper. We have £20,000 that we can put in. If you are someone who is a high income earner and you're earning quite a lot of money, and you're building wealth, 
you want by, by having two of you available that's forty thousand pounds okay mm. it could well be that maybe your spouse your partner doesn't earn much and cannot save much individually but if you earn more than twenty thousand pounds or sorry if you have more than twenty thousand pounds available to actually save and invest you can now actually use your spouse's account as an additional allowance mm. right so what before you can only put twenty thousand pounds in you can now put forty thousand pounds in mm. and these are the main benefits and also getting get biblical here uh, if one of you falls the other one can lift the other person up okay mm. if one person loses their job the other person can actually sustain this household uh, for a short period of time for example or vice versa so trust me being married is 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 one of the most common ways people actually build wealth and that's why if you look at certain communities they take marriage so seriously in fact there's a lot of arranged marriages taking place because they know that if you're able to get into a family where all of you have a similar background, uh, similar mindset when it comes to building wealth, the chances are as a family and, and, and as a family grows, more wealth will be built. Hmm. Nah, I, I love that, man. And yeah, there's, I mean, obviously there's room for further education and stuff like that to learn much more. But yeah, there's just so many ban- benefits, man. You've got even the marriage allowance if one of the the couple is um a low earner and um, here in the UK I think it's you know below twelve thousand five hundred where you're able to support your spouse and reduce their tax um as well as a result of the marriage allowance but there's a some quite a few things in place to really support the constitution of marriage from a financial perspective as well. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. You know, uh, we talk about even individuals engaging in things like joint ventures. Mm. Well, when you're married, that's what, I mean, what other joint venture do you want? <laughs> right. So, so, you know, we talk about people struggling to get on the property ladder individually. It's extremely difficult, especially here in the UK, to get onto the property ladder, to be able to save a deposit and to be able to put that down and actually get a mortgage. And, and also your income, right? Your income, in order to get a mortgage, you have to earn a certain amount. You normally... Here in the UK, you're probably likely to get a mortgage worth, let's say, five pounds your salary. Um, so if your salary is not of a certain standard, you might really struggle to get on a property ladder, mm-hmm. even if you have the deposit ready. And even if you're paying rent, that's even more than the mortgage you will pay, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But when you're married, right, you can combine finances together, um, mm-hmm. actually get on a property ladder much quicker. So these are some of the obvious ways that you know by being married and starting to build a family you can actually start to build wealth but the key thing again as i said is to make sure everybody is on the same wavelength uh because that's you know that's what will help the family and the opposing impact of that is actually when families are not on the same wavelength or or couples are not on the same wavelength when it comes to money and there's money issues is seen as one of the number one ways of divorce so you have to be very intentional as to how you communicate and how seriously you take these conversations. Hmm. No, I love that, man. I love that, man. And I do stand strongly by, you know, um, who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtain a favour from the Lord. I think um, in even just in that aspect, an aspect of that is, you know, where you may be weak, your spouse may be strong, vice versa. Um, and it's really about understanding how that can work to benefit you in areas of your life, your finances being one of them. Oh, well, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, and, and again, I don't want to go too, too, into too much of the scriptures, mm. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that's that's why two is better than one. 
Okay, because because one I don't know the actual how does it go up here. One can maybe take one thousand, but two can do ten thousand, hmm. right? So it's, it's not it's not even uh just an additional game. It's a multiplication game. It's a it's a it's a it's, it's a doubles game, right? Hmm. It's a um it's a um squared game. So five squared rather than five times two, if that if that makes sense. Exponential right? increase. It's exponential increase. That's the word I was looking for. That's the word I was really looking for. I was searching for everywhere. <laughs> Um, and, and as you said, you know, we, we do fan favor, you know, there's something about having that ring on your finger that, that people just even respect. Okay. And spiritually, mm. God definitely shines his face on you. So, um, yes, um, of course we're talking about keeping wealth in a family, but the starting point is actually being, being, being married in the first place. Um, and I know we can go into other conversations about, you know, can you build family wealth if you're not married? Uh, mm. I think I know my answer to that already, but um, absolutely you want to uh make sure that yes if you're in a committed relationship of course the better the, the earlier the better you get married you combine your finances together you think about your short medium long-term goals if you have children get them involved get uh other people involved extend the family involved if they can in terms of teaching them and guiding them and, and having similar mindsets and that kind of stuff but the truth of the matter is you will come across a lot of adversity and you'll come across a lot of pushback um often from extended family and the key thing here is to remember you know at the end of the day uh, the nuclear family is number one mm. and you need to be, make sure within your household um you're all on the same wavelength otherwise sometimes the the the, um, the temple could come crashing down if a certain pillar is weak mm. Love that, love that, love that, love that. Now, thank you very much for that, bro. Um, before I come back to you on any sort of final points you might want to um, throw in there, we are going to do what we normally do. I'll just give a shout out to where we're getting new listeners. Um, or a city we've not, we've just not given um, a shout out to where we have listeners to um, in. Um, and Jacks, we're going to be giving a shout out to Oakland, a city in Cali, Cali, California. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the World Finance Podcast. Been to America uh, once uh, and I went to Miami, Florida. So it wasn't California. Maybe one day I'll pay you guys a visit. <laughs> Welcome to the World Finance Podcast. You're here with myself, Jax, and the co-host Peter on this uh, show. We talk about all things finance and all things finance related. If you want to know more about what we do in the community, because World Finance is first and foremost a social enterprise, you can actually check us up on www.worldfinance.co.uk. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are predominantly on Instagram. That's the World Finance team. If you're someone who is on LinkedIn, you can also find us on LinkedIn. That's World Finance as well. So I hope you're getting tons of value. I hope you're enjoying. Engage with us, slide in our DMs, comment, all that good stuff. Let us know what you're enjoying, what you want us to talk about. And it's goes to all our listeners as well if you are really enjoying our content do make sure you pause this episode and leave us a small review so that people know what we're doing here is actually really beneficial and entertaining at the same time come on come on come on shout out to our listeners over there and of course all over the world but now jacksman before i let you go any final points on your side yeah i think i think um i've kind of um kind of repeated myself quite a bit but the key thing is Look, let's get everybody on board before we even move forward. Um, let's educate ourselves. Let's lead by example. Let's uh, think about how we can get our children involved in our businesses. 
and that kind of stuff. Uh, but ideally, what we want uh, in order to build wealth within a family and to keep wealth within, within a family is to make it a, a standard, to have a standard in the family, right? So it becomes normal to have conversations about money. It becomes normal to have conversations about business. It becomes normal to invest in stocks and shares and other asset classes as well. That's how we are able to build wealth within a family and then keep it within a family. But technically as well, you want to make sure you, you tick the boxes and you was it dot the I's and cross the T's. So you make sure you write wills, you have insurance and all that kind of stuff as well. And again, that's how you technically keep well within the family. But the number one thing is, yes, you can leave as many assets and as much money as you want to, to your, to your children when you pass on. But if you haven't installed in them the right principles and the right levels of education for them to manage that money and to be good stewards of that money, it will run out in the next generation. So that's the most important thing. The most important thing is to install the principles and the standards of how to build wealth and keep wealth within the family. Love that, man. Love that, love that, love that. Thank you very much for that, Jack. Such an interesting topic um, and a conversation that needs to continue, man. So hopefully each and every one of our listeners have heard this and said and have a think about who you can continue this conversation with, perhaps in your own families as well, man, because that's why we do these episodes. That's why we have this podcast. So hopefully you can implement something that you've heard and more importantly, not just keep it to yourself, but share it to other people, man. So now thank you very much for your time, Jets, as always. And remember all to our listeners. Stay woke.